It's that time of the year. Your vacation is coming up. You can already hear the beach waves, feel the warm breeze, relax, and think about work. You really, really want it all to work out while you're away. Monday.com gives you and the team that peace of mind. When all work is on one platform and everyone's in sync, things just flow. Wherever you are, tap the banner to go to monday.com. Hello and welcome to the call. 10 stocks picked by you, two experts, one hour. It is Wednesday, July the 26th. I'm Andrew Gagan. Good to have you with us. Our two experts on the show here today, Henry Jennings from Marcus Today and Andrew Violet from DP Wealth Advisory. Welcome to both of you. Happy Wednesday, happy hump day. And uh, look, we've got some positive news just a short time ago with the latest CPI read, um, which shows that inflation is going in the right direction. That's got to be a positive, Henry. And um, then, of course, we take a look at what's going on more broadly, I guess, equity-wise, uh, resources sector doing pretty well. I guess a lot of this is off the back of talk we're hearing, particularly out of the Politburo in China. Uh, it is. Hi, Andrew. Hi, uh, Andrew. Uh, the two Andrews. It's a um, good number from uh, the CPI. That does take the pressure off the RBA, which did have a little bit of uh, the thumbscrew applied after that record sort of jobs number at 3.5% the other week. So uh, this is the quarterly number, 6%, very much heading in the right direction. Of course, that is till the end of June. That's the March to June quarter. So there has been a bit of a, uh, I guess, a bit of a change slightly in terms of uh, oil prices have been creeping up. And certainly we've seen uh, food prices continuing to creep up in terms of softs uh, in the last few weeks. Wheat, uh, chocolate is going up as well. So uh, there is a little bit of uh, pressure there. But next week, it does look now as if the RBA will pause and maybe Phil Lowe in one of his last meetings can bring it home and can say that he was the man that vanquished inflation from eight to seven to six. It sounds like a countdown, doesn't it? Uh, and uh, you'd hope that the next time we get a quarterly report from the ABS on the CPI, we get five. That would be fantastic. Eight, seven, six, five. It's almost as if someone designed it that way. Uh, the market looking pretty good, though, Andrew. I have to say resources mm. kicking. Uh, banks have turned round. Industrial's a bit yeah, not that excited. But uh, generally, uh, as we're heading into reporting season, we've seen this with the US, expectations, I suspect, have been uh, moved up a, a notch or two in terms of good news. So, yeah, it's um, looking set fair for higher ground. Yeah. Uh, Andrew, what's, what's your perspective then? How encouraging is this? I guess, you know, we're a little behind what we're seeing, particularly in the States at the moment. But then you have to look at what, how equities have performed in the States. Uh, we have underperformed as a result. What's your view going forward then? Yeah, and yeah, hello, Henry, and hello, uh, A1. Um, look, you're right, things uh, here in Australia, we have uh, underperformed, and that's because of our heavy bank bias, 28% of the index materials, 24% uh, of the index. So when the two main heavyweights are underperforming, that's always going to act as a bit of a handbrake, whereas, of course, as my learned friend, my best mate, Henry, says, uh, you know, the magnificent oh. seven have driven stop it the magnificent seven have really sort of uh, driven that uh, u.s market but to your point andrew there is a point in my rambling um our inflation is still <laughs> way too high relative to the rest of the world the rest of the world it's been coming off significantly and that's why they're probably at the end of their um, rate hike cycle or close to it whereas there's still plenty of questions being asked of the RBA. And frankly, it is if it's if they're going to stop next month, it's only going to be a pause. There's mm. probably at least one, if not two, rate rises there. So on balance, looking good. But to Henry's excellently made point, profit, profit reporting season is always a risk. And we're in confession season, and we're about to talk about a confession, uh, another confession today. Yeah, plenty of confessions coming our way, in fact, given uh, we're in the midst of that that zone. Well, just before we get to that, uh, well, let's take a look at the first five stocks we're going to take a look at today. ALS, Aluka Resources, Mineral Resources, iShares Global Healthcare ETF, and Mitchell Services. There's a good dose of digging to be done in the resources sector today. Uh, but our stock of the day is Austal, 
uh, it has slashed its full year earnings forecast, now expecting EBIT to range between zero to a potential loss of around $10 million, uh, down from previous estimates of near $60 million profit. The company citing updates to its towing, salvage and rescue ship program for the downgrade. Uh, Chief Executive uh, Paddy Gregg there saying, clearly disappointing financial result given the success we've had recently winning new projects to expand our US operations. So, um, Andrew, what uh, what are your thoughts then? Austal, it certainly has been a winner recently given those contracts uh, that it has uh, managed to come by, but this is a bit of a setback. What are you seeing? A bit of a setback. Uh, maybe uh, you're being very kind there, Andrew. That chart there that we're just showing there at the moment, that five-year chart, really does sort of sum up the business. It is a perennial disappointment in that everything should be in this company's favour. You know, <laughs> everything should be in this company's favour. And yet they continue to find ways to snatch uh, defeat from the jaws of victory. I mean, I was just looking back over the last three months, um, broker consensus up 40%. So everyone was getting all hot and bothered relating to how things are going. And then, you know, well, let's revisit our methodology. And, oh, sorry, instead of, you know, guiding to a $58 million result, we could actually be up to or down to rather minus 10. And, uh, you know, understatement of the day, clearly disappointing. Um, I, I can think of lots of reasons not to be here. There's certainly going to be downgrades coming the next couple of days. As I said, they have foremen doing this in various guises. They've had issues previously, despite the fact it should be the right space to be with all the geopolitical tensions and increased spending on defence. Management fails the test, so it is a pass. No, thank you. Right. A big fat no. Um, so, Henry, what are your thoughts? Uh, of course, you know, some of the headlines <laughs> that Austal sinks. Yeah, um, yeah it's, a, it's a bit cruel, isn't it? Um, it is. See, the trouble is, Andrew, I'm old. Uh, and I remember the days of Harland and Wolfe in Belfast that used to build ships. They built the Titanic. And as they rightly said about the Titanic, it was fine when it left here. The, um, the problem with Austal and the problem with shipbuilding is it's a tough, tough game. Inflationary pressures everywhere. Why in the world you would think that this was immune to inflationary pressures? I have absolutely no idea. What also astounds me, and this is extraordinary, is that June the 20th, Tuesday, June the 20th, it updated the value of its TATS contract uh, to a, a higher number. And it has been shouting from the rooftops about these tax contracts and the new contracts they've got. The trouble is, it's tough building ships. It is expensive and it's a bit like doing your home reno. As soon as the, the guy, when you're doing it and you say to your builder, I just want to change this, I just want to put that in there. I want to put an ensuite in the captain's cabin. You are stuffed. And as a result, when you start changing things around, costs blow out, we've got inflationary pressures. This is one that we chucked out of the investment committee portfolio. I think I was partly responsible for chucking it out. Um, and I just can't see the value in being long a shipbuilder. It has had a pretty good run uh, off $1.60 on the back of all those contracts. But it's one thing winning contracts. It's quite another thing making money out of them. And this was a pretty significant downgrade. Mm. Now, having said all that, there is the bright light at the end of the tunnel is there has been some interest in terms of M&A activity, which they have denied. And they've said that every now and then they get an approach, uh, as we all do, and they have denied that it would could possibly lead to anything. But this is, this is a massive um, downgrade for them, really, to go from, you know, what was it, a $58 million profit to zero. Yeah. And only a month ago, they were trumpeting how great it was to get another one of these TATS contracts, update to value of TATS contract. Well, no, yeah, not and, for me. And you make that point. Back then, everyone was uh, talking of the fact that it is a takeover target. So, yeah, times have changed. Yeah, yeah. Uh, so, well, that's a double no then. Just not interested either then. All right, that is our stock of the day. Also, let's get into the ones as picked by you. The first one, Sarah, picking ALS, ticket code ALQ, not to be confused. Uh, it, it provides testing, inspection, certification, uh, verification services, both in uh, resources and life sciences. Uh, Release its full year profit and underlying net profit there at a high end of guidance. I gather it's actually holding its AGM today. But um, Henry, what more can you tell us on ALS? 
Uh, it's actually held its AGM, right. uh, Andrew, and it has come out with uh, with the address of the the, the CEO, which I, I believe he lives in Subiaco. Um, the uh, outlook guidance was no real change: 150 to 155 in the first half, FY24, from continuing operations. You ca- you kind of want to like this one, um, and a lot of people do because of its importance. To the mining sector of course it does all a lot of the assays it also does a lot of uh, testing for life science businesses and food businesses as well uh, it's, it's a pretty solid company but it, it hasn't really benefited from uh, I might have to say mining boom because you know we do have a mining boom let's face it in places um, it hasn't really benefited from it I would definitely hold this one I don't mind this one at all I think it's been a little hard done by uh, to be honest um, and brokers do have a higher price target. So, um, you know, that, that guidance didn't really lift the roof off. The stock's pretty much unchanged on the back of it. Um, but um, it's, it's solid and should do well. But, of course, those wonderful inflationary pressures, I'm sure, are in the system for these mm. guys in terms of having to pay up for staff, labor, um, disposables, consumables, whatever they're using in their, their labs. But um, this, is, this is a hold from me. Not exciting, um, but it's you know it, it does have bursts of activity when uh, people get enthused about uh, uh, about the mining sector, and we are seeing a somewhat of a renaissance at the moment due to uh, the Chinese, well, let's call it stimulus. Yeah, incremental stimulus. Yeah. Yes. Incremental. All right, Andrew. Yeah, look, it's a quality business. It's Queensland business, Andrew. Oh. Um, for those of us that been around, more than uh, yeah. It's synonymous, of course. Um, the old Campbell brothers, you know, so uh, CPB going all those years back. But uh, it is a, a great business, and as Henry quite rightly points out. It's pretty beige. It's pretty vanilla, that life sciences side. But uh, when the world's getting a little bit excitable around the, uh, the the resources side, that's really where there's that uh, optionality as such. That's where you're going to get a bit of a kick. Uh, it's got about a 20% return on shareholders' funds. And as you know, I like businesses sort of a, with an ROE over 15. So that's great. Um, from a sort of a buying point of view, it's not a buy at the moment. It's certainly a hold. But if it was to sort of dip into the high 10s, 10.70 is probably a great price. Uh, I reckon it's uh, a buy around there. But at these levels, at the 1140s, 1150s, noting, as Henry did, that consensus has it at 12.50 for 12 months' time. Um, at these levels, it's a hold, but yep. it's a good business. Okay, a double hold there for ALS. All right, to our second stock. And uh, look, we've had uh, a number of updates this morning, one coming to us from Iluka. Uh, and uh, Christopher wanted to know about this one, uh, reported increased production of its uh, core mineral sands products there for the second quarter sales increasing 74% quarter on quarter uh, first half revenue they're down about 10% uh, once again grappling with those those surging costs as Henry's been pointing out just in terms of the effects of inflation at the moment but Andrew let's start with you your thoughts on Aluka yeah and again without you know parroting what Henry's saying uh, any resource company we're looking at I mean obviously any company but in particular the resource side they're really going to be impacted by rising costs so no great surprise there uh, and if anything any smart companies that have got some skeletons might be sort of trying to bring those out and using the cloak of inflation to sort of uh, potentially hide some of the stuff that they perhaps uh, could be uh, bringing to the fore anyway that's certainly not the case in Iluka um, it's um, rare earth zircon rutile it's actually not too badly priced. It's around 11 times earnings. Um, you know, the market, of course, trades at around 21 times, albeit resource companies generally tend to trade at a bit of a discount. Uh, I like the fact that both the CEO and the chair have been adding to their holdings and reasonably significantly over the last 12 months. And it's trading around consensus valuation. I note that uh, short interest is up a bit from social interests whereby people are selling it in, antici- in anticipation of a bad result. Uh, but at 11 bucks relative to consensus at 11.25, it's probably fairly priced. So again, if I was being miserable, probably about 10 bucks. So it's a hold. Okay. Henry. 
Well, I have to agree with uh, the uh, the ETF whisperer on this one. Aluka is a bit of a hold. It's trying to um, sex itself up a little bit uh, going forward in terms of rare earths, because I guess that's a little bit more sexy than zircon, which has been its primary focus, and of course, rutile and synthetic rutile for a long time. So it's trying to dress it up as a bit of a new age, a, a sort of new energy vehicle kind of um, company as well, uh, with its rare earths side of things. It's, um, it's, it's bounced well and truly off the lows at $10.50, which is good. It is not easy to get massively excited about this quarterly review, but it's out today. Uh, brokers tend to have an outperform on it. I would say it's probably a hold at these levels. We have seen a bit of clarity surrounding uh, production numbers, and of course that's helped today as well with that quarterly review. So um, yeah, I, I don't mind it, but if, if you're gonna play resources, I think there's others that I would prefer to play if I was coming at it fresh. If you're a holder of this one, I'd continue to hold it. Mm. <coughs> Yeah, of course, a couple of weeks ago, everyone was getting excited by rare earths because there was the prospect that had China was going to put caps on rare yeah. earths as it did with a couple of metals, but hasn't really eventuated, yeah. has it? Well, the, the problem was that they targeted geraniums, which um, is, uh, is a rare earth, uh, and they targeted, uh, what was the other one they targeted? They targeted germanium and gallium. That mm. was the one. Now, Everyone got in a massive tizzy about that. I interviewed a, a gentleman uh, who is fantastic, Kingsley Jones, from uh, uh, one of the, uh, the one of the best houses. He's a fantastic guest. I interviewed him, and he was telling me the size of the gallium and germanium markets was minuscule and easily substituted. And clearly, the Chinese were just doing a little bit of a shot across the bow in terms of, you know what, guys, we can do stuff. If you mess with us, we can mess with you. We're not going to mess with the big market, which is rare earths or EV uh, technology in terms of uh, lithium battery processing. But we can flex if we want to. So the, the, I think the markets were so tiny, but everyone got in such a tiz mm. um, and, and, and rare earths because of it. But, um, yeah, it, that seems to have uh, gone away now. Funnily enough. Yeah, funnily enough, indeed. <laughs> All right, Henry, uh, let's move on to our third stock there. Once again, another update, mineral resources, um, iron ore, lithium, uh, diversified as we know. It's lithium spot demand shipments marginally below guidance, uh, cost to be within guidance range there. And of course, also, uh, it had earlier announced that uh, its US partner, Abamale, it will take full control of its chemical and lithium plant uh, and it's going to pay the miner between 380 400 million on completion there. So what's your outlook then, Henry, for MinRes? Um, I must admit, this, this, is, this is a complicated stock at the moment. It, there's a lot. It's a bit like the, uh, the guy in the Greek restaurant with all those sticks and plates spinning on, on the sticks at the moment because it, it has got a lot of... I was going to mix metaphors, a lot of balls in the air, but a lot of plates spinning at the moment. Not only has it got this, this JV agreement with uh, Arbamile uh, being redone, uh, it's also got um, other issues in terms of uh, gas, and it's got issues in terms of lithium coming in a little bit below guidance. It's got the iron ore exposure. There's a lot of things happening here, and it's kind of I'm a simple person. It's hard to get my head around this one. There, there will be a time to buy this one with your ears pinned back. I am just keep being underwhelmed by the outlook statements and, and the production numbers that are coming out from the lithium side of things. Um, and, you know, it has underwhelmed. Clearly, you know, Arbamile as well is, is a company in a state of flux in terms of that merger with Livent. So that, that complicates matters as well. Um, it, it's definitely a hold. I'm not sure it's the screaming buy as yet that it presents in in some of the ways that other lithium stocks are or other iron ore stocks are because of it just seems to have a lot of spinning plates at the moment mm. and one one or two are being dropped i think it's fair to say uh, that production guidance was uh, a little bit on the soft side and we have seen some disappointment in the part this stock's fallen from you know 100 bucks back down to 70 bucks uh, rallied a little bit off the lows I don't think this quarterly is enough to kick it higher unless we see iron ore prices push substantially higher as well. So for me, it's a hold here, probably a strong hold, mm. one of those diamond hands holds, but it's not a let's go all in 
but uh, maybe it's you know high sixties. You would go all in with this one. Yeah, but you're saying it's time will come then. That you know, where, it's where you time will that. come. It's time yeah. will come. But I just you know, for me, there's, there's there's a lot of plates spinning. There's a lot of you know, this this JV simplification structure has to be settled down. Uh, you know, lithium guidance is soft. Uh, they've got other issues in other parts of the business. It just feels a, a company distracted at the moment. Yep. Okay. All right, Andrew, your thoughts? Are you distracted by how many plates are in the air at the moment? Spinning. Balls? I don't know. Yeah, we had mixed metaphors, haven't we? I, I'm easily distracted. Uh, I'm a simple user salesman, well, Andrew. You're both so, saying you're simple uh, men. So, yeah. All right, okay. <laughs> uh, I wonder why they get us anyway, on the show. Um, <laughs> That's what my wife says. They've got you back again. I'm just going, what's well, part of the contractual agreements, you know? Like, you know, this stuff. All right, just keep it simple, stupid. Uh, <laughs> thank, thank you. Um, so, yeah, look, I, I think it's a hold. It is a quality business. Uh, Chris Ellison's no dope, and he's got about 1.6 billion reasons to make sure that this does work. But at $72, is it value? Probably not. I note consensus has dropped about uh, 14% over the last three months. So the, the guys and girls who follow it, the 16 guys and girls who follow it, are basically dialling back their expectations. Again, cost pressures, I'm sure. Lithium price under pressure as well. Um, look, from my point of view, probably mid-60s is probably the mark. That's probably the time to start having a, a good look at it. But if you're holding it, mm. I could think of lots of reasons to stay there. But is it a buy? It's not a buy at these levels. Yep, fair enough. Okie dokes, that's a double hold then for mineral resources. All right, our fourth consideration is an ETF, the iShares Global Healthcare ETF, IXJ. Uh, John wants to get Andrew's uh, opinion on this. Uh, he's saying it seems like a great way to diversify into mega cap international healthcare companies in the recession-resistant healthcare sector. Uh, expenditure seems to only go up globally, he says. So it seems a relatively defensive way to get access to growth. But uh, I've been in it, he says, for a few years, and it's done very well, but I'm thinking of increasing exposure. So it's one of my biggest holdings. Your thoughts, Andrew? Uh, look, as a mega trend, you know, in the next five to 10 years, what are some of the big things that are coming at us? We have a, an aging population. Uh, baby boomers are going to be retiring and they're living longer. Uh, and so therefore you'd have to think not only will you know, consumers be spending more on healthcare, but government will have an obligation to spend more on healthcare as well. So as a mega trend, healthcare makes lots of sense. So again, you say, right, well, do I go and buy something on the ASX? Do I buy a ResMed? Do I buy a CSL, a Cochlear? I mean, these are all quality businesses. Or do I just go and buy a basket that has CSL as an example. It's about 1% of this ETF is CSL, but you've got other names in there. You've got United Healthcare, you've got Johnson & Johnson, you've got Eli Lilly. So you've got this sort of broad basket base around the US, around Switzerland, around Japan. It's a $1.2 billion ETF. So it's certainly got a bit of size about it. Um, and over the last 12, uh, sorry, over the last five years, rather, it's returned around 12% per annum. So it's ticking a number of boxes in my regard. Um, is it cheap? It's not cheap, but again, I'm not saying that because it's 126 bucks. I'm just saying healthcare companies generally tend to trade at a much higher multiple compared to the rest of the market because of its defensive nature and all those things I just spoke about before. So to me, if I was looking to diversify and I had identified healthcare as a long-term megatrend, I'd be really comfortable holding this one. Um, but, you know, could you wait and get it cheaper? If, if the market corrected, it might come off a little bit, but it's certainly not going to come off anywhere near as much. So on balance, it's a buy. Oh, buy. Okay. All right. Henry. Right. Well, um, I will stick to my lane. Who am I to argue with the whisperer? Um, and this is obviously, you know, for all the reasons, all the things she said or he said, uh, this one uh, does fulfill that great thematic and it has got great pedigree in terms of these big European and US drug companies. There's absolutely nothing wrong with it. It has been a star performer. I think, you know, the future, as they say, is hard to forecast. But uh, one thing is certain, AI is going to change the face 
of biotech companies. I think that is that is one of the big changes we're going to see uh, in the uh, in the next five to ten years is how AI is used by these big biotech companies. And I think that's going to be a fantastic change. That is going to be one of the good things to come out of AI. Nothing wrong with this. Uh, again, you know, it's a matter of timing sometimes. But, uh, you know, it's uh, it certainly plays into that thematic. It's got all the right components. It's got all the right numbers. Nothing wrong with this at all. Would I buy it here? I'd probably mm. wait for a little bit of downside because the U.S. market, 12 days straight for the Dow. I mean, come on. Um, and, you know, it's only 3.5, 3.6% away from its all-time high on the Dow. Can, we, can you believe that? Uh, in terms of you know all the rubbish and all the negativity that we've had this year, it's 3.6% away from its all-time high. So I, I'd definitely be a hold here. I'm not sure I'd be piling in given that, but if there was any weakness back to 120, 122 bucks, yep, yep. nothing wrong with this at all. All right. Well, I guess another certainty too is that we're all getting older, as is the general population. That certainly plays into this thematic too, doesn't it? Yeah. Unfortunately. All right, yeah. let's um, move on to, we'll sit back into the resources space with a drilling services company, Mitchell Services. It's Queensland based, so uh, Andrew, clearly you're going to love it. Um, it uh, did see its shares come off significantly the outbreak of COVID, obviously given what sort of happened more generally there. Um, and so, uh, well, Henry, actually, let's start with you then, what your thoughts are on Mitchell Services. Nothing wrong with this one at all. It's been on a nice little run up from that uh, from that sell-off. Uh, we had a, a recent update as well, fourth quarter financial and operating performance, record quarterly revenue, 65.8 million, record quarterly EBITDA, 15.3, uh, dividend payer as well, full year profit after tax between six and a half and seven and a half. It all looks pretty good, I have to say. Uh, dividends now being paid. Um, I don't mind this one at all. I think this is, you know, it's come off a little bit uh, on the back of that um, that update. We did push quite high into the mid 40s. I would say at 40 cents, 41 cents, this one for me is a buy, and it does play into the thematic of the of the mining boom, the Chinese stimulus, mining services, uh, and I guess to some extent, you know, it is weather dependent. Uh, benign weather does help uh, mining services companies because if it's floods, fires, etc., then it, it is problematic. But uh, so far, we haven't had too much of that down here this year anyway. So I, I like this one. I think this has got upside to you know, 50 cents. So on that basis, it's a buy. Yeah. Okay. Andrew. To my uh, learned friend's point before around why the market's running along, and as you know, I'm constantly <laughs> quoting. Uh, S&P, which basically talks about trying to pick markets, is uh, very difficult. Um, and the longer time frame you look at it, the more difficult it becomes. Uh, I think part of it is because the market is sort of assessing that perhaps if there is going to be a recession globally, it's going to be quite shallow. And then we have these, again, coming back to the megatrends, electrification, decarbonisation. There's going to be significant investment and mining companies are going to be to the fore. But again, they want to de-risk themselves. They don't do it in-house themselves. They outsource it. So companies like Mitchell come right to the fore of this. Um, from a technical point of view, the chart's looking really good. I note that short interest is abating. So again, people who are thinking it's going to go down have seemed to have backed off a bit there. Um, so, yeah, look, I support Henry's view. I, I think it's a buy. Um, I note that they're doing all the right things. Uh, they're paying down debt. They're paying a dividend. They're doing an on-market buyback. And again, if you were worried about your capital position, you wouldn't be doing any of those things. So, uh, no, look, I'm, I'm pretty comfortable with this. I mean, what we, what we but the important rider, um, Andrew, is that it's a $90 million company with $36,000 a day traded. Mm. So it's going to be hard to get set, so don't chase it. Um, but equally so, I, I like it as a business. And if you can be patient, then uh, it's certainly one that you might want to have as your spec buy for the day. But to, I mean, to that point then, Andrew, where you say it is a small company, it is relatively illiquid as a result, then you think twice about getting into such a company. You just manage your position, Andrew, you know. So say 
Uh, and tomorrow on the drop, uh, maybe you and I, subject to uh, what's going on, we'll be talking about mining companies. But, uh, you know, say you wanted BHP, just pick a name. Well, you know, you'd be comfortable having up to 11% of your portfolio if you were trying to mirror or match where the market is. You wouldn't want 11% of your portfolio in this. You might want 1% as a guess, you know, like it, you've just got to manage the position accordingly. But I can't stress it enough, $36,000 a day, don't chase it because all you're going to do is you're just going to push the price up and then it'll just get bashed straight back down again. Yep. All right. Okay, that is Mitchell Services. So let's sum up where we've been for the first half of the show, our stock of the day, Austal, uh, out with its update, which has not been good and has attracted those headlines that Austal sinks, given it is the shipbuilder. Um, so... <laughs> Yeah, look, um, it's a no from both. That sums it up pretty much, really. Um, Henry points out just those inflation pressures. You should have seen it coming. Uh, can't see the value there. Uh, to the ones as picked by you, the first one being ALS, ticket code ALQ. Uh, it is the testing, inspection and certification and the like. Uh, Henry's saying he wants to like it. He's got a hold on it. And Andrew does point out he sort of takes it as a quality business, also a hold there for him. A number of resources company we're looking at today, among them Aluka, uh, out with its uh, update two. Um, it's um, a hold from both. Um, Henry pointing out that uh, he actually prefers others in that space. Uh, Mineral resources, another update coming to us from that company. Um, Henry starting out there saying a lot of balls in the air. Well, his analogy was plates spinning. Uh, he's got a hole in it. Uh, he's saying it will come a time where it will be a scrumming buy, but now is not that time. Uh, Andrew pretty much agreeing, also a hold on it, just looking a little expensive, he thinks, at this point. Uh, to our first ETF, it was the iShares Global Healthcare ETF. And it is a buy from Andrew, uh, pointing to the mega trend uh, that we're seeing in that space, which is likely to boost, boost those uh, healthcare stocks. And um, Henry underlying that with a great thematic, he's saying uh, he's, uh, he's willing to wait. He's got a hold on it at this point. And we rounded out there with Mitchell Services. Uh, it is a buy from both. Um, it uh, results look good, says Henry, and charts looking good says Andrew, but you need to be careful given how small it is. All right, let's uh, get to our own high conviction fund. It is picked by our investment committee. The latest episode of that is live here to watch at ausbiz.com. So let's check in with the update into July. Boss Energy was replaced by Paladin. Kelsian out for LaVisa. Let's check the performance, and the fund is up 6% on a cumulative return basis since its inception March last year. All right, so keep sending in your requests to the call. Keep it switched on to see what our committee will be looking at next. Next on this show, we'll be looking at Liontown Resources, iShares Core S&P ASX 200 ETF, WA1 Resources, Zero, and Adea resources. I told you there are a few resources to get through. Let's get into one of them. That being Lion Town. Uh, Dave picking this one. Of course, it is all about uh, lithium. Uh, did reject that takeover offered by Albemarle. And uh, um, focus on its uh, Kathleen Valley asset. Look, I won't say any more because the man who knows all about it, of course, is Henry. What are your thoughts? <laughs> well, thank you for that introduction, Andrew. Um, it, well, Lion Town has been one of my favourites. We've done very well out of this one, I have to say. Uh, the Arbamar bid did, I guess, come out of the blue to some extent. Uh, they had three attempts at trying to fix the price, and it failed on all of the attempts. And Tim Goyder and his team very much keen to press ahead with Kathleen Valley. The, the stock itself has kind of gone nowhere. Um, it's really around sort of 280 uh, give or take since uh, since the sort of the big bump up. So it's kind of, it's a bit of waiting for Godot really happening to some extent. The, the choice is, of course, that Arbamile will come back with a higher bid. Uh, the other thing, of course, is that the Kathleen Valley project is now under construction and uh, that is certainly kicking off, which is good. They have got potential for, um, for revenue in the short term as well from uh, DSO. So that is also positive. 
I guess the question mark from me, and this may be what, I, you know, who can, who knows what Albemarle are thinking at the moment. But the question for me is there, there is a shortfall in, in terms of funding that these guys have got. Uh, it's not a huge shortfall. They've got a bunch of cash. So it's not a massive shortfall. But the market, I think, it is kind of pregnant with news as how they can plug that shortfall. And, of course, we have seen with a number of mining stocks, a number of lithium projects, costs blowing out. I mean, uh, Lake Resources has pushed their project out years because of costs blowing out. So, so there is a potential there. I still like this one. I think Albemarle obviously shot across the bow. Now maybe they've got other fish to fry with the Livevent merger. I, I prefer others in the sector. I still hold this one in the small cap portfolio. I have taken some profits because with bids you do, it is always useful to take profits. It's not the smallest company in the world. Uh, it's now a $6.4 billion market cap, which is, is, is pretty big, but it is a pretty big resource as well, 145 million tons. Uh, so it is a pretty big resource. The grade's good. I like Liontown. I'm a holder would continue to hold if i'm looking at the sector the one that is just you know when when curly holds up his finger in um city slickers and says you know there's one mm. one thing pilbara minerals which we saw yesterday with their numbers coming out after hours on uh, i think it was monday after monday night you know it's still the one you know they've got 3.3 billion in cash that is that is a massive stockpile of cash. Production is increasing. Downstream yeah. activities. It is the one to own. If you're going to own any lithium stock, that is the one to own. Not necessarily up here because it has run hard after that. But there'll come a time again when lithium gets shaken. We did see a shake on Monday, to be honest. So it's it's a volatile sector. But Lion Town for me, definitely a hold. Yeah. And uh, we'll see how it pans out. But it's 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 a quality stock, quality management, quality project. Yeah, it appears just some of those production updates that uh, we're looking at those projects, those that are working, those that are not, that's sort of been sorted to a degree yeah. uh, this week as well. So, I mean, you're still focused on the producers. Are you interested at all down down the other end with the developers and the explorers? Oh, Andrew, you know me. Of course I am. I know, but which I'm, ones? I mean, how do you pick them? Uh, how do you pick them? Well, I guess it, it comes down to uh, to management. It comes down to, uh, I guess, how far advanced along the sort of timeline they are, because these projects take a long time to uh, to come to fruition. I, I looked at one today uh, in the newsletter, and uh, it has been much hyped. It's not a very big one, but it has been seriously hyped. And the first slide in their presentation was ready to bring material to the battery material sector. They've only just started drilling. Yeah, they're not ready. They won't be ready for five years. I mean, it's just ridiculous. My, my favorite at the moment has been Latin Resources, which has done uh, very well. Uh, I've also been a bit of a fan of Leo Lithium, the, the Mali project with uh, Gang Fang. The problem has been there is they've been suspended. We're waiting to get a letter from the Mali government in terms of DSO uh, shipping uh, allowance, whether they can do that. And we haven't heard that. We're due to hear that tomorrow. It could be good news, could be bad news. But that letter seems to have taken a long time. It's, they've obviously put a second-class stamp on the letter to uh, to Leo. So um, that is a bit of a concern. But Latin has been my standout performer. We were long mm. at 13. It's now 36. Happy days. Yep. All right. Andrew, uh, can you better the lithium whisperer or the, what, the lithium lip or I don't know what we call him, but you know what I mean? The Lion King, I think, is ah, uh, what you yes. were. Yeah. yeah. Oh, applause. Um, Thank you. Let's um, it's, <laughs> it, it's certainly nothing on the Whisperer, but look, it's the best I've got it with my simple brain. Uh, look, I think Henry's spoken about it super well. I, I think that from my point of view, it's probably a hold. Um, you know, I think there's probably potentially some more pain coming in that lithium space in the short term. Not that I'm wishing it on people, but uh, should they come under some pressure, sort of fall back into that sort of 265 mark, something like that, uh, then I'd be very interested. But I agree, certainly Pilbara would be my go-to mm. at this stage. Or again, if I was trying to sort of uh, straddle the fence, maybe, as I said, you know, mineral resources earlier at the right price might be worthwhile looking at as well. But as a pure lithium play Pilbara looks great okay all right. so this is a hold yep a hold all right let's uh, get into another ETF uh, this one picked by Ross it is the iShares core S&P ASX 200 ETF well that tells you what it is 
that's based on market cap. So, Andrew, straight to it. Easiest one we're going to do today, Andrew. Easiest one we're going to do today. If you think the Australian share market is a great place to be and you can't work out whether you should be doing Pilbara from Lion Town, uh, from ALQ, then buy an ASX ASX focused ETF. There's a few of them about. Uh, Vanguard's VAS looks at the top 300. STW, of course, from State Street does the 200, as does IOZ. And then you also have beta shares with the A200, which also looks at the 200. All of them follow different indices. That's their point of difference. But this one's $4.1 billion funds under management. The fee, because again, it's passive, it's 0.05 of a percent or five basis points. So it's not free, but you know we're certainly moving well towards a very, very low cost. It's just tracking the market, you know. So the market's been up about 7.1, 7.2% over the last five years. Surprise, surprise. That's what this has done as well. So this would fit into the category of a core ETF. I want to buy the Australian market. As I said, there's about three or four to choose from. We have plenty of clients in this one. I'm very relaxed with it. So certainly it's a buy. Uh, like I said, there's other ones out there. Similarly, you know, really you just got to work out which indice are they following? Is the MER that cost imp- important to you? But BlackRock are quality managers. And as I said, we've got lots of money with them, very comfortable with it. So it's a buy. Yep. Okay. Henry. Uh, well, I, I can't really add anything to that, to be honest. You know, it- if you like the Aussie market, it's 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 an easy one, isn't it? Let's face it, the, the fees are, are next to nothing. It's uh, 10.5% BHP, which is what the Aussie market is. It does what it says on the tin. If you don't like the Aussie market, then go play somewhere else. Go and buy the, um, the healthcare ETF. But uh, if you want instant Aussie ASX 200 exposure, yep, go for it. Well, you say if you like the Aussie market, has underperformed certainly the US market. So is there a question of timing here when you could get in? Uh, well, I, I get it comes down to um, you know whether you prefer to buy the Aussie market or whether you prefer to buy the US market. The US mm. market obviously has been the performer. The seven uh, samurai or the, the magnificent seven have been leading it up. Uh, whether they lead it down remains to be seen, but um, that certainly has been uh, the way to go since the sort of Nvidia AI boom that we've seen in the US and many people have been naysayers. But you know what? I, I, I get the feeling that Jerome Powell looks a lot like Tom Cruise. If you squint slightly, you could possibly see Jerome Powell as Tom Cruise as Maverick landing that fighter jet on the aircraft carrier at sea. And he does look as if he might be able to pull off the landing. He might be able to get the plane on the aircraft carrier without ditching. And even, dare I say, he might be able to do the flyby. Who knows? Buzz the tower. But, uh, yeah. Buzz the tower. Disturb the coffee. But it's, it's <laughs> certainly possible that uh, not only will, uh, I guess, Jerome Powell pull off the aircraft carrier landing, which is a tricky beast, uh, but we might even say uh, that uh, Michelle Bullock, because it, uh, uh, he has uh, or she has taken over from Phil Lowe in the front seat, who's had taken a bit of a, an injury during the last raid. Uh, Michelle Bullock taking over in the back seat may be able to land the uh, the plane on the aircraft carrier as well. Yeah, Soft except we don't have an aircraft around. carrier. That's the problem. We used to uh, HMAS yeah. Melbourne last. Uh, la- it was decommissioned de- 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 yeah. in 1982. Yeah. We got subs though. Yeah, well, now we're getting back into hostile territory, aren't we? You don't want to go there. All right. Well, not with subs. No. <laughs> okay. I don't know how we got onto that. No, it was your, it was your, it was your Tom Cruise um, belt. That was, that's where we went. Yeah, yeah okay. Can't quite see that, but I know where you're going. All right. Um, okay, so that, that was actually, I lost track of where we were because of what Henry just told us. That is the ETF, the iShares Core, it's a BASX 200 ETF. Yeah. Uh, if you like it, if you like the Aussie market, then you can buy it. Uh, all righty, let's uh, get back into resources. This one, WA1 resources says a lot doesn't it uh it is a critical minerals explorer uh owns the Aronta project in wa and uh it's all in niobium okay henry what is niobium what's it used for i have no idea uh, <laughs> uh this, this one's gone absolutely nuts i think the, the the stock code says it all wa1 
I think the rest of the world nil on the back of this one. Uh, this is the West Arunta project, as you say, in Neobium, uh, one of the rare earths. Good drilling results. These guys, I, I was looking at the announcements. These guys did a, a placement back at $2.75. $2.75. And that wasn't that long ago. Yeah. They are now $6.75. Haven't you done well? And the, uh, the, the latest assay results, they've got drilling coming. We've got, uh, you know, the latest ones were 41 metres at 2.4%, niobium uh, 18 metres at 2.2%. And, it, you know, extends in multiple directions, high grade, lots of buzzwords. This one has just taken off like the scaldy cat. And yet it's still only $270 million market cap, which is, which is strange. But it's just amazing. $2.75, they raised 10 million bucks. Aren't they a bunch of happy punters? Mm. What you do up here, I, do, I, I don't know, to be honest. Uh, you know, it's, it is being driven by the drill bit. I'm sure it's being driven by the WA1 uh, stock code, which does help Im uh, immensely, uh, especially with the hot copper crowd. Uh, I'm sure they're all over this one. I, I don't do hot copper myself. But uh, driven Good, by the goodness, drill Goodness, Henry, is that, uh, are you saying that that makes a difference? That simply that, we're going back to simple stupid, aren't we? But just that ticket code. Oh, well, it can do. It yeah. can do. I, otherwise, all these uh, ETF providers, as Andrew knows, wouldn't go for drug or hack or core or, or whatever. Um, ticket codes do, do help. Uh, WA1 sort of flows off the tongue, doesn't it? What do you, you know, when you're talking to your mates, what are you buying today? I'm buying WA1. Oh, but I'm oh, buying the state, buying those resources. Let's get into it. Buying the resources. Uh, this will be, be driven by the drill bit. They are drilling at the moment. I, I'm sure um, they have lined up uh, some more good news here. Oh, God. I don't know. It, it's run from, you know, as I say, they did the placement at $2.75. It's run from 2 bucks to 7 bucks. If if it was me and I had seen this run from two bucks to seven bucks, I would be taking the money off some of the money off the table. Call me Mr. Floppy if you like, but I do like to uh, to lock in some profits because good things don't always last. And once you've drilled and done assays, etc., then you've got to get that ready for the next campaign, and interest does wane. So I'd be probably taking some profits up here. But bear in mind they are drilling, and another good result could kick it, you know, another fifty cents higher. Yep. Okay. So, Andrew, you were clearly looking for what? Queensland one. Is that the next one to get on? <laughs> uh, yes, uh, QLD one or something like that. Um, just looking at this chart and just coming back to my learned friend's Maverick analogy, I literally feel like I'm just watching the latest Top Gun movie, you know, where he sort of takes off and then it sort of goes for a bit and then it just literally uh, takes off and then I'm waiting for him to sort of flip upside down and give someone the bird. Um, I uh, I would certainly be uh, absolutely supporting Henry's view that you need to be taking some money off the table here, that you might be leaving some money on the table. But uh, in any hint of bad news, either with this company or the market, if I got stock at $2.75 back in May, I can guarantee you that I would be selling it on any remote weakness. So uh, why don't you preempt that a little bit, take a little bit of money off the table, but certainly in the context of what uh, NeoBIM's involved with, you know, strengthening steel, uh, battery technology, all that sort of stuff, it's all in the right space, but yeah, it's just run too hard, too fast. Look at it on a pullback. You know, if it got to sort of four fifty-five bucks, but at these levels, I would be very, very, very cautious. Yeah. Well, and and well, let me ask you then, Andrew. Back to the ticket code thing. And I guess, as you point out, with ETFs, does that is that really what people look at? That attractive ticket code, without actually looking a little deeper into what actually it, con uh, it constitutes. I, I would. I can't obviously speak for the broader market, but I would hope that people don't just buy something basically on the basis of the code. Uh, I would hope that it's more marketing-based. So if, you know, the one that immediately comes to mind for me is hack, as Henry was talking about before. Well, you know, it's obviously cyber security or food. You know, it's obviously global food production or cure, biotech, or, you know, like what it says on the tin is actually what it does. It's a marketing play. So from that point of view, I one of the appeals of ETFs to me. I mean, it's obviously not the main appeal, but, you know, on, as a nuance as to one of the 1% to 2% appealing things, the codes are interesting. Some of the other codes out there, 
they're a bit snoozy. Uh, can't say that about ETFs. <laughs> Fair enough. All right, so let's get on to our uh, ninth pick. It is zero. Um, and that is the uh, the cloud-based accounting software company, of course, which we know in the uh, makes up, uh, well, it's one of the major uh, tech stocks in our local index. Um, price increases it relied on here locally, they were up about 13%. In fact, brokers focused on subscriber growth, um, particularly in the UK and US, that's saying that's what matters. Andrew, how do you view zero? So the famous Saran Super Fund, uh, synonymous amongst uh, Ausbiz viewers and and listeners, uh, predominantly ETFs, but it has three uh, listed investment non-ETFs. Zero is one of them. Uh, I like the fact that Zero has an 87% profit margin, gross profit margin. I like the fact that they have a less than 1% churn per annum. So in other words, over 99% of their customers re-engage with them. And Andrew, I like the fact that the average client sticks with them for around 9.3 years. So I am one of those customers. And as soon as they started sticking price increases into me about four years ago, I said, you know what? <laughs> I'm buying I'm buying this one. You know, that same sort of mindset, you know, with Microsoft and Office 365. I mean, what are you going to say? No, I'm not going to pay my Microsoft subscriptions or I'm going to change to, to Google or whatever the case may be. You can certainly do it, but it's an absolute pain in the backside when you change from one service to another service. So that's why Xero got such great lock-in. And the new CEO has been super clever in saying none of this sort of R&D for the sake of R&D is now focused on profitability and so you when we look at the chart just before when it shot up there from sort of 70 80 dollars up to 100 110 yes recovering the tech sector is certainly one of the key things but another one was the new ceo was incredibly clear around that pathway to profitability so i like the business however at 100 and wherever dollars it is 118 it's certainly not cheap consensus on it is around 119 so if we go through a period of time where people are hating the world and there's you know the 10 percent pullback which we frankly haven't had since around january to february this year that's your opportunity to be buying it. But at these levels, it's looking fully priced, but quality business, Sarand approved, just wait for your opportunity. Uh, so I call that a hold? I guess so. You could sort of sum up my last three I'm, minutes of rambling and well, say, I'm not, I'm not forcing you to do that. You could sell it if you want. No, no. Well, I haven't sold it, so if I'm not selling it, then it's hard to tell the trusty Osbitt listener, it's a hold. Okay. Henry. One day someone's going to hack your super fund, Andrew. You're very, very easy with the naming of your super fund. You're going to, you're going to find yourself hacked one day. I wouldn't be quite so, um, quite so open with the name of mine. Um, anyway, back to zero. Uh, I actually wrote an article the other day. I, I started a new thing because I always write an article every day called Henry's Take, and I wrote a thing called Henry's Take Down where I, instead of, it's not really asking, uh, not really the sort of thing as a short uh, report or short research, but it just pointed out for me some stocks that we've got this sort of common uh, perception. And chartists do look at uh, the charts and they sometimes forget the valuation. They look at momentum. And for me, this one, when it got to, uh, what was it, 125, 126 bucks, to me, it did look like it was very toppy. $18 billion market cap. Now, Andrew goes through the bull parts of this very nicely. The problem I have with this, uh, and I do have a problem, well, a couple of issues. One is that it is, because it's um, one of our only tech stocks, it kind of gets, everyone gets really excited and when the US tech sector goes nuts and they look at ours and go, oh, let's buy our tech sector. Oh, what do we buy? And they go, oh, wise tech and zero. That's it. Computer share is the biggest tech stock we have in the all tech index. Is that really a tech stock? I digress. The other the problem I have is that there is a concentration risk of people piling into this because of NASDAQ, which I don't think is particularly healthy. The other thing, the, although the price rise was great, 13% here, you can only play that trick for so long. You can't do it every year. 
the other issue I have as well is that it, it made a big thing, and I know this was under former CEOs and former uh, MDs, it made a massive thing about pushing into the US and has spent a fortune, I guess, trying to take it to Quicken and other US uh, providers of similar services. And it really still is relying on Australia, New Zealand and the UK to drive that growth. Yes, there is growth in the US, but nowhere near compared to the investment they've made. And it is expensive. Mm. So for me, it's not a massively aggressive sell. We had this as our standout tech buy at around 65 bucks. It's now doubled. Yep. I know what I'd be doing. It'd be taking profits. And I wrote that on Monday in my takedown. As I say, it's not aggressive short selling report. It's just pointing out sometimes when the uh, the technical analysis look at these things, look at the momentum, they mm -hmm. forget that it is an $18 billion market cap and very expensive. And I'm not sure it's still ever made a profit. The margins are great, but they spend a lot on R&D and sales and getting clients. Have you seen the ads? All right, that sums up zero. Let's uh, round it out then. We're back into resources, this one. Adea Resources. Uh, it's well, what it builds itself as the largest nickel cobalt resource in Australia. Uh, a lot of shares have been under extraordinary pressure. Henry is laughing. He can tell me more about that. I, I can't tell you more, but everybody professes to be the largest something anywhere, don't they? Let's face it. The largest undeveloped this, the largest undeveloped that. Um, you know, it may well turn out that this is. Uh, the largest undeveloped uh, resource. But, you know, it takes a long time to actually develop that resource. They've got an aura, and everyone's looking at nickel and cobalt, aren't they? I mean, let's, let's face it, nickel is, is one of those uh, materials that is very much in vogue. Good results, I have to say, good drilling results, good PFS highlights as well. Uh, so that's doing well. Uh, the last, uh, they're going to need a lot of money, 125 million market cap, a total capital cost, 3.1 billion. Yeah. Okay. So um, they're going to need some funding. They're going to need some debt. They're going to need some partners. But hey, let's not let's stop that uh, from uh, you enjoying the run. They got sold off to 30 cents. They're now back up to 70 uh, odd. Uh, not for me, I must admit. But if they get some more good drill results, then this one will um, continue to push ahead. But again, if you bought this at 30 and it's 72, I know exactly. Uh, what I would be doing currently. So right. some into the Feed the turkeys while they gobble, I was always told. Fair enough. Okay, yeah, so if you're in it, more likely to sell it then at these levels. So, Andrew, your thoughts? So many pearls of wisdom in such a short period of time. We really should be charging a subscription for, uh, for this service. Um, look, I'm not super interested in this um i certainly you know the nickel piece is interesting nickel price is under a fair bit of pressure at the moment down about 20 odd percent if i remember correctly uh early days for this they've just done the pfs we've needed dfs i think is the term next so i uh, i think there's plenty of water to pass under this bridge it's going to bounce around a lot as henry said if you're lucky enough to jag it at 30 this might be an opportunity to take some money off the table but as a as a buy compared to some of the other ones we spoke about today no no thanks. So it, it's 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 a base hold, potentially a sell. At what price you got it? Yep. Okay. Good one. All right. That's round out then. That is the second half of the show. Let's uh, take a look at what we went through. Liontown Resources, the uh, lithium producer, of course. Um, Henry pointing out it may attract a higher bid from Albemarle. Uh, but he has since taken profits. It is a hold. I uh, prefers Pilbara. He says that's the outstanding uh, lithium miner at this point. Andrew, also a hold. Uh, the ETF, the iShares Core S&P ASX 200 ETF. Uh, it is a buy from both. Henry, though, saying, well, that's if you like the Australian market, then yes. You can buy it. Uh, core holding points out, Andrew. Uh, WA1 Resources, which has done remarkably well, just taking a look at its share price. Uh, that's all based, as Henry says, on the drill bit. Uh, take profits, and Andrew agrees. You should uh, to lighten there. Just be wary of some any bad news that you would need to react quickly to. Uh, zero. It, uh, Andrew is pointing out, not cheap, uh, but a very good business. It's got a hold on it. Um, Henry also pointing out, looks toppy. He would take profits. And finally, there are Daya Resources. Uh, good drilling results, points out Henry. But no, needs some massive funding uh, to realise its project. And Andrew, simply not interested. All right, that is the show for today. Thanks to our guests. 
Henry, thanks for joining us from Marcus today. Pleasure. Thanks for having me, Andrews. And Andrew, thank you for joining us from DP Wealth Advisory. Thank you, and Andrew, and of course, Henry, I'll be seeing you around. <laughs> yeah, indeed. Sounds like a threat. All right. <laughs> it does. <laughs> uh, any stocks you'd like us to cover, go to ausbiz.co forward slash callpicks or tweet us at TV. Stay with us. The Pulse is coming up next. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style.